greetings. Happy uh, holiday weekend. It's, uh, it's, uh, it is, it is uh, already started off. It's a good weekend, it's, and it's good to be here this morning. Thank you guys for being with us. I, I love our kids being in here um, with us this morning. We have, uh, it's, it's, they have their own worship service, and they get to love the Lord and all that fun stuff too, but uh, I, I, like us, I like us being together. I like us being together, so I want to welcome you guys, especially our front row crew over here, because that's, 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 where, that's where true Christians sit. <clears throat> Just kidding, not kidding. Hey, I'm going to start off with a couple announcements. Um, the, the first one is uh, we are, uh, we're, we're getting ready to move into our uh, newly renovated home, church home. And uh, that's coming up in really just a few weeks. I think we're settling in. It's looking like uh, the early to middle part of August. I don't know if you guys know this. We're already in July. So it's like, boom, like we're there. And so well, I'm excited. I know a lot of you guys are excited as well. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to move in. We, have a, we really have a lot to do until then. July this month is what we're calling uh, our, our Say Yes Drive. All right? Say Yes uh, really say yes to setting the table. You guys know that are a part of our church, uh, our metaphor, the four corners is four corners of a table. The metaphor for our church is that of a table. And so we want to we want to set the table. Uh, and as we're moving into this new season for our church, and so now uh, really beginning next Sunday is an opportunity. If you have already gotten involved uh, with the church, maybe you've been here for a while now. Our church is about two and a half years old, and so we have some that have been with us since the beginning. Uh, a lot of you guys have come in throughout the, uh, the, the season of our church plant. Some of you guys just showed up. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the party. Um, but we do have some teams that are transitioning. We're moving from being a portable church to, a, uh, to a, a permanent one. And so we have some teams that are transitioning. We want you to be able to have the opportunity to uh, sign up and to be a part of what that looks like. We also have some new ones that will be starting up. And so uh, if that sounds like that that would be interesting to you and you want to be a part I think that percentage-wise, that's probably about 100% of you. Um, uh, if that sounds like something you want to do, coming up in a couple of weeks, you have the opportunity to, uh, to sign up for that. We're calling it Say Yes to Setting the Table. And uh, how many of you guys, when you were growing up, you had chores? Uh, you had chores growing up. You had, you had parents that were there, and they made you do things, and you were like, you're the worst. And now you got older, and you're like, you're not so bad. Um, how many of you guys ever had to set the table? Anybody had to set the table? Sometimes I had to set the table. Most of the time, my, mine was cutting the grass. Uh, weed eating, uh, you know, personal favorite there, and uh, sometimes we had to set the table. Listen, um, I, I want, um, I, I not only want to set the table as a church to prepare for what the Lord has for us next, but I want to set the table to make sure that everybody that's here that, and that God brings to our church, whether they know the Lord or that they don't, I want it to be a, a place of total complete invitation and welcoming. I, th I think welcoming uh, should be our posture. It's, it's, it's one of our values as a church. I think Jesus was and is the most welcoming and hospitable person that's ever lived. And I think it is in that welcoming that people see his love and then are changed. We, we, we're changed when we see the love of Jesus. We don't, have to, we don't have to change and get all cleaned up first. And so I want, um, that's what I want as our church. That's what I want for us. And so uh, that's uh, coming up in uh, starting next week, but the month of July, we're going to say yes. Everybody say yes. yes. <laughs> I heard you kids. Right on. All right. Uh, and uh, next Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we have our uh, serve day distribution coming up. It's going to be over at uh, the Calhoun. We've done two places. Uh, I think we've done two. We may have done more, but we've done two places where our, a couple of our churches have gathered together, and we've uh, given out uh, lots and lots of food to those that uh, are struggling and dealing with food insecurity. And it's a very real thing uh, in our city. More than likely, it's even uh, in your neighborhood, uh, maybe even in your apartment, uh, where, where in, in your apartment complex where you are. And so we want to be, not only meet, uh, help meet the spiritual needs of our city, but the, but the physical needs as well. That's what, that's what Jesus did. And we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks uh, on Saturday. That's, a, that's an all serve. That's a everybody. Everybody in. So if you're available, I want to invite you out to do that. Uh, it'll be in the morning, so uh, it won't be too blazing hot at that time. It will be somewhat warm, all right? So you may want to prepare for that. Um, but we have our, our four-corner shirts. You can wear a shirt out there. If you don't have one of our four-corner shirts, 
You can grab one. We have them uh, out here in the back of the table, um, and uh, we can uh, we can represent. Hey, you guys ready to dig into the Word? Hey, y'all with me this morning? Good deal. Let's do this. We're in a uh, series called Summer in the Psalms, and uh, the Psalms are uh, the prayers of Jesus and the prayers of the people of God. And uh, we called it the soundtrack of the people of God because so many of them were set to music. If you had your own soundtrack, if you had your own uh, CD, <laughs> or if you had your own uh, 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 playlist, what, what would you have on there over your life? Maybe different seasons of your life, you'd have different stuff depending on um, how seasoned you are uh, in your life. You may have uh, years of, of glorious soundtrack uh, tunes. The Psalms uh, function as almost like the soundtrack of the people of God. And they, um, the, the, uh, uh, the, the children of Israel would hear one of these songs uh, as they're being sung or one of the psalms as they're being prayed, and it would take them back to a moment. You can turn on the radio now, and you can hear a song, and, and, and oftentimes you could get taken back to a moment. You guys ever done that before? You ever done that this week? You're just driving down the road? Y'all probably, probably, nobody even, y'all even listen to the radio? Does anybody listen to the radio just like randomly? Does anybody ever honestly, legitimately, you'll t- turn on the car, and as you drive down the road, you'll hit the scan button? Anybody still hit scan? I'm such a scanner. Like, I just like nonstop, just finding, looking for something. Um, all right. Soundtrack of the, the soundtrack of the people of God. That's the Psalms. And so we're going to dig in. We've, uh, we've had a couple um, weeks already uh, kind of introing into what the Psalms are. This morning our Psalm is Psalm 30. And so we're going to read the entirety of Psalm 30. There's 12 verses. And um, I want to talk to you guys this morning about praise, about our summer in the Psalms and being formed by praise. Last week we talked about the Psalms as form, formation as forming us and, and, and shaping us. So we want to talk about that this morning. Psalm 30, beginning in verse 1. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I'll never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I'm silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. You've changed. You ever heard that before? You ever heard that phrase before? You've changed. It could be negative. Maybe, you know, maybe you've heard that from a, uh, in a relationship, maybe a girlfriend or a boyfriend, like you've changed, you know. Maybe um, it could be positive. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you've changed for the better. Maybe some things that used to, uh, used to make you angry, you know. Maybe uh, the Lord's done a work in your life, and, and maybe it's not that, that's not there anymore. People see you, and they're like, man, you've, you've changed. Maybe you went to a, a 20-year reunion, 10-year reunion, 30-year reunion. Maybe you go into a reunion and, and somebody, you, maybe they didn't say you've changed, but you can see it in their eyes. <laughs> you've changed. Well, people get married, guys go into the, to the marriage, they're thinking, she will never change. And the women go in thinking, oh, he'll change. <laughs> Either way, if you've, ever, if you've ever heard or said that phrase, it's because that person has gone through something, an experience, a difficulty, a, a challenge, a success. And that thing has been so powerful, beginning from the, from the depths of their soul, making its way out into, into how they are living. So much so, it's become evident to people around them. They've, they've changed. So the only way to begin to put your finger on it is that phrase, you've changed. The fact is, is that change is inevitable. The only question is, what is it? in my life that will do the changing, that will do the forming, 
What is it that's going to, what is it that is, is going to do the changing? What is it that changes people? What is it that forms people? This, this series in Psalms looks to, we want to answer those questions. The Psalms at their core are prayers of God's people, even the prayers of Jesus. And over a long period of time, these prayers shaped and formed the people of Israel to look and sound more like the people of God. And so how does, how does prayer do that? How does prayer shape us? How does it change us? Because prayer has a lot less to do with changing God and even your situation and a lot more to do with changing you. Prayer changes you. In other words, prayer doesn't change God. It changes you and it changes me. So, so part of that conversation has to be about praise since half the Psalms we would consider praise Psalms. We have to ask the question, what does it look like to live a life that is cultivated by praise? What is that? What would that even look like? Last two weeks kind of been like a, a, a setup, simply, you know, what are the Psalms? And last week we looked at the Psalms as formation. And so it makes it sound weird because you're like, you know, of, of all the things over the course of my life, you know, that have formed me and the person I am today, you know, praise like isn't on that list. <laughs> How many of you would look back and you're like, is praise, praise wouldn't be on that list? Believe it or not, it's actually not true. But, but our relationship to praise is, is a, a little complicated. It's, it's really, it's, praise is so central to the human experience that we do it uh, automatically. We do it, um, uh, it's, it's almost automatic at times. Anybody ever been, um, anybody ever had a situation where you, it, like, uh, um, like there was a, an emergency or almost, you almost died and like maybe somebody cut the, in front of you, you know, driving down the road and you just, you're jolted. I remember uh, I, I told this a, a, a few months ago. I went, I went skydiving years ago and um, I won't tell you the entire dramatic story. We'll save that for another moment. Um, just uh, suffice it to say that when we jumped out of the airplane and I was screaming my face off, um, and the parachute came out, I was so happy. And I was like, yay, we have a, we have a parachute. I'm not going to die. And um, that lasted about a second, one solid second, a whole second of just, of just yay, I'm, I'm going to live. Until the guy that was, I was jumping with, because I didn't jump out of airplanes, so I had to jump with a uh, do tandem. So you got somebody that you're, you're like bolted into <laughs> and you're strapped with. And so the parachute is on his back. So the parachute comes out. And it's just flapping in the wind. It's glorious. I'm looking out across all of the city, this great, glorious city of Pell City. I don't know if you're familiar with that land. Um, and then I just hear, I mean, it's silent for about a second, maybe a second and a half. And all of a sudden, I just hear just this screaming, reverberating into the atmosphere, curses. Curses from the guy that I'm strapped to right here on my back. All right, he is screaming all of the words, the good ones, and by good ones, I mean the bad ones, like they're coming out, stuff like, no, I'm just kidding, they, so, and I'm going, oh no, this doesn't sound good, and um, literally, in all the ways, it doesn't sound good, and so, um, something was wrong with our parachute, and we flipped out, and then, and then, of course, I was praying, you know, a little bit, prayers were coming out, and, um, and so, uh, he said, "Hey man, tuck in tight. We're gonna get rid of this parachute." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, we're we're gonna just we're just gonna now just glide and hit the ground." And so he he goes on the count of three, starts screaming, and I'm like, "I'm already screaming, but I can keep doing it." And so he he says, "One, two, three, and we cut the parachute." And I just start I'm screaming. I mean, I'm going for it. And of course, I'm screaming Jesus, and he's screaming another word with fewer letters. And I that the, then the, the, the reserve shoots out and um, it pops out into the wind. And that's all you hear is just the, the wind. And um, he, he, I can feel him moving around a little bit. And he says, all right, man, look up. I said, yeah, what is it? And he goes, you're looking at a perfectly good parachute. And I'm like, it's about time, you know. <laughs> and um, the first thing that came out of me was, thank you, Jesus. It was, it, was, it was like automatic. Like I didn't even have to think about it. it the, the, first, the first one when the parachute was not working was, oh, God, oh, God. And the first one that came out when everything was fine was, oh, God, thank you, God. Praise is, um, it's, it's almost automatic. Anybody, anybody ever been on an airplane and you're, um, there's turbulence? 
a little bit of turbulence you ever get in there? And uh, some of y'all are like professional flyers. You're like, oh, turbulence doesn't bother me. I fly 150 times a week and whatever. <laughs> whatever. Turbulence terrifies the rest of us. And so maybe there's a little turbulence. And so I show no fear. My wife, like, basically rips my arm off while I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, everything's fine. And, um, and you ever been on a flight and maybe there's a little bit of turbulence and, and you know, the stewardesses and they, 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 they sit down and they start to buckle up. And you're like, wait a second, I thought y'all were like kind of free reigning around here. And um, everybody starts to sit back and it just kind of gets, there's almost this somber quiet. And then the, 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 the plane starts to go and you're about to land and it's just silent. And then the, the, the wheels hit the, the tarmac and, the, and as soon as you land and you're going, you ever been on an airplane and everybody starts cheering? You ever been on that? And you're like, oh, my God, whatever, losers. No, like inside, you're like, thank God, like we made it. Why? Because it's so natural for us to praise. That's what we do. There's something innate within us that desires to praise. What is it about human experience that is so deeply connected that there's this desire, this almost a compulsion to praise? Something, we we got to say something. So praise would be, you know, thanksgiving, gratitude, just a just a simple fact of joy. But of all, all of that, when it's directed towards God, is praise. So C.S. Lewis, in a book, uh, Reflections on the Psalms, he says this, the world rings with praise. world rings with praise. He says, readers, their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps. Anybody ever praised for rare stamp? It's a different day. Rare beetles. Some of the kids in here, maybe, I don't know. Even sometimes politicians, I don't know when that is. Or scholars. I had not noticed either that just as people spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join in their praise of it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think it's magnificent? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all people do when they speak of something that they care about. Isn't that interesting? That all of us have this ability and this opportunity, even a drivenness. It's more than, it's more than a desire. It's, it's a true instinct to praise. It's there. Now, it doesn't always get directed to God. Oftentimes it doesn't. But doesn't mean that it shouldn't. It just means it's there. You don't have to know the Lord. You don't have to know God. You don't have to believe in God. But that innate compulsion within us to praise is there. It's there. It's in your soul. And so Psalm 30, David is, David is writing for us to exalt and praise God. It's, it's written by uh, David. He's coming from somebody's life where he's just saying, I just have to, I just have to praise. We have to ask, you know, what's the context when, he's, when David's writing this? He says, and so if we can understand that context, maybe we can, maybe we can better understand how in our, in our own personal context we can learn to praise in our own lives. If we, if we can do that. So what, what, would be the, what would be the praise psalm that you would write? So David, he was the youngest of, of eight brothers. Who in here is the youngest? Anybody have siblings and you're the youngest? It's, it's a real, it's a struggle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real deal. I got you. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're the youngest. I'm the youngest boy uh, in my family. Things were crazy growing up. I regularly, uh, at least once a year, my wife will hear a new story about me growing up. You know, we're hanging out with family or whatever. And, and her response, usually, she'll look over at me and she'll just go, how are you still alive? I don't know. This is, thus, David was the youngest of, of eight brothers. He was plucked out of obscurity. He was anointed the next king of Israel. Imagine, imagine that as a little brother. The next king. However, there was already a king that was established. His name was Saul. And, um. And David was probably anointed about 12 years old or so, 10 or 12. Can you imagine that, being 10 or 12 years old and somebody comes over and anoints you the next king? I feel like I'd, I'd be feeling pretty good. I would be feeling pretty good. I was like, who's the little brother now, punks? <laughs> However, there, there, there was already a king, and so it wasn't until he was about 30 years old till he even becomes king. And uh, in between, he has this really conflicted, this random life. Sometimes he's in good graces with Saul. 
Uh, sometimes he's got this band of brothers, and they're running off, and they're trying to hide from Saul. Uh, uh, regularly, it, it, it occurs. And then when Saul dies, he rightfully claims his, his throne. Uh, but at that point, the, the kingdom is split. Uh, Israel split, uh, Judah and Israel. And, um, and so there's almost basically a civil war that he goes through just to bring them back together. And so from, from 10 to probably age 37 or so, there's just this real conflicted life. In, uh, and, 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 but, what's, but what's known about him is that he is, he's a man, during this season, he is a man after God's own heart. No matter all of the stuff that he's gone through, he's a man after God's own heart. And, and really the only way you begin to understand God's own heart is to get into a, a covenant relationship, having, an honest com- having honest conversations with God. And that's, um, that's, what much of the, that's why much of the Psalms were written by David. Because he was someone in that, in that long journey who developed an understanding of who God was. So maybe you're, maybe you're in that season. Maybe you'd say at 10 to 37 years. Maybe, maybe not that age. Maybe you are in that age. But maybe you just say in that season. It's, 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 that's forever. It's, he's, he's in this wild season. Sometimes running. Sometimes homeless. Sometimes chosen. Sometimes rejected. And you just go, can, can my life get any more chaotic? Can it get any more random? But looking at the Psalms for David, we have to believe one of the primary ways that he was formed into someone the scriptures say was chasing after God's own heart, that, that formational habit, that tool, that skill, that exercise, that ambition, it was praise. How did he become a man after God's own heart having that kind of life? That, that formation tool was praise. And so we get to that moment, after all the pieces of the kingdom kind of come together, here's David uniting the kingdom, bringing God's presence back into Jerusalem. First thing he does is he, is he, is he goes, okay, I made it, and he builds a house. He, he builds a house. Uh, the, the, the word there is um, palace. How many of you, if you were a king you'd, or a queen, you'd be like, yeah, I think I'm going uh-uh. to go ahead and build myself a house. Maybe a little bit larger than the one I have now. All right, I'm just saying. Um, one of my kids this week asked me, they said, Dad, if you had a million dollars, somebody gave you a million dollars, would you get a new house? I was like, no way, man, I love my house. I was like, we're staying here. I love this. He was like, what about $500 million? And I went, no, we're staying. And he goes, yes. And I said, but I'm probably going to add a bedroom maybe, you know, some little bit of space. How many of you guys, if you, if you become king, what do you do? You build, you build yourself a house. This is, what, this, is where, this is where David is. It's a, it's, a, it's a new palace for him to reign from. And so Psalm 30 at the top of it, if you look at it, it says it's a dedication of the palace, or depending on the translation you have, it'll, it may say the dedication of the temple. And, and so that idea is where it's interchangeable. It started out, he wrote it. I guess he goes into his house and he writes a song. He's feeling passionate. And so he decides to write this praise psalm. And then later on, it's reused when they dedicate uh, the temple. And they're reusing that same, that same psalm. So you can imagine him writing in um, verse 11. It's this real thing to him. It says, Psalm 30, verse 11, it says, You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. But not everybody's happy with David's praise here. Not everybody. He's married to this woman named Michael. Michael. <laughs> He's married to Michael. And uh, she's not happy. All right? She's uh, sitting up uh, on the, uh, in, the, in her uh, room, looking out the window. And um, the, uh, uh, they're having this party. The presence of God is coming back into the city. There's this incredible uh, uniting um, uh, atmosphere all across the nation. And so we see it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. He says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, he was praising, she, can you see that? She despised him in her heart. And so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, the whole country, and all the people went into their homes. He's, he's so happy. He just starts giving gifts to everybody. <laughs> you, you get a cake. You get some dates, you know, you get some raisins, you get all this, everybody, he's, he's thrilled, it's, he's praising. 
It's not, you turn my wailing into dancing, is it theoretical to him? It really happened. He really was wailing and weeping and crying in the desert and had been away from what he had heard was a promise of what his destiny was. And so he responds, his response is praise. He says, you, you, you did it. You were faithful. And so when we think about our life in praise, we have to ask ourselves, what, is, what does praise look like in our own lives? All of those seasons actually are represented even in, in chapter 30, the, the, the past, the present, and the future. We can, we can see it. The past, Psalm 30, verse 1, I'll exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. You lifted me out of the depths. You've, you've already done that. This was, the, this was my past experience where you lifted me. The present, Psalm verse 4, 34, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Do it right now. Don't wait. Do it right now. We're already there. We're going to go ahead and do it. Let's, let's praise him. So he, that's, this is what he's declaring while he writes it. Look at, what, look at what God's doing right now. And even in the future, Psalm 30, verse 12, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. There's this, there's this future orientation. This is what I'm going to do. So what does that look like when you consider your life in praise? What, is, what, are, what do those seasons look like for us? And so three quick points, a life of praise. The first one is this, is that praise uh, reflects our past. Praise can reflect our past. It, it can and should reflect our past. We should, we should bring our journey, our life of God, in conversation and in prayer to him. We need to be able to bring our past to him, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to be able to bring all of that when we praise him. It's not um, spiritual bypassing. You're not ignoring what's going on behind you and in your past. You're bringing your whole life to him. God already knows you, already loves you. It's already there. And so what we do is we bring the, the whole thing to him. That's what being in covenant relationship with God means. He's not going to go anywhere. He, 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 he wouldn't leave. He can't leave. He's not going to go anywhere. And this is how we allow our praise to be formed by our past. The future, uh, I'm sorry, the present, uh, number two, is praise re reorients our present. And sometimes we get so lost in the past that we forget about right now. You ever gone down memory lane and just, whew. you ever been driving down the road and um, you just get to thinking and then all of a sudden you, you just kind of snap out of it, and you don't know how you just went the last 10 minutes. You've just been driving, and you're like, did, how did, I don't even know. Am I even here right now? Y'all ever done that before? You just kind of zone out. A lot of times you're thinking about just like, you know, you're, you're, but, but thinking about your past can do that, and you can totally forget. When we're talking about praise, you can forget even about the present right now in the present moments. And so one of the most important things you can do in the life of praise is to recognize this, that praise is a sacrifice. It, it is a sacrifice in, in the present moments. where the, That's where uh, sacrifice happens. Maybe it's Sunday morning. Sunday morning. It's a, you know, you, 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 you think, you know what, I'm going to take an hour of my life, and I'm going I'm to sacrifice it, and I'm going to reorient my life around Jesus, and I'm going to make it a regular thing. I'm going to make this a part of my life. And then I'm going to make it a part of the, the lives of the people that are in, that are in my life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to my roommate into coming with me, and we're going to make this hour. We're going to reorient our life. Why? We are taking, we're sacrificing. You, there's a lot of things, other things you could do on a, on, a, on a weekend, like this weekend or any weekend, than taking an hour, two hours. There's a lot of, the, what do you do? You sacrifice it in order to reorient your life around this praise. The, the, um, the third one is this, is that praise prepares our future. Prepares. What about the future? The future's looked uh, pretty scary recently. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I feel like it just gets more and more intense. And for a lot of us, we either, um, we either disconnect from the future or we are discouraged from the future. We, 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 we usually take one of the two. But if we do that, we have a broken and blinded view of our life that really leads to a broken and blinded view of, of praise. And so... How do, we, how, do we, how do we praise about the future? I, I, I can thank God for what's happened. I can even thank God for what's happening right now. I really think, how do I thank God for what's going to happen? 
how, how do I do that? How can I give thanks and be grateful for what hasn't come yet, for what he hasn't done yet? How do I thank God for something that's not even there yet? But it, it, it's illogical. But it's illogical because it has to do with faith. And that's where our praise turns into faith. That is the relationship between praise and faith. So I, I, You know, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to praise anyway. This is what I'm going to do anyway because I know that God's good. It's praise with expectancy, not looking at the present or the past, but we're hopeful about the future. So if we were to focus on any of these this, this morning, I, I want to focus on that. I want to focus on, on that this morning, on, on, the, on praise and the future. The most formative thing we can do is believe that God can do something in the future, and then we anticipate the good. We expect God's faithfulness. We believe his promises. We understand his love. We know that he'll continue to be compassionate. And then we allow, we know these things, and we allow praise to come, to come up from that. This is, this is praise not only in reflection. Well, thank you, God, you did this. I made my list. Thank you, you did this, this, and this. But it's praise in preparation. So John Ortberg, uh, in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, says this. He says, look at the promise that comes right near the very end of the Bible. He says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Heaven's groom gets the bride. The joy that is in store for God's people is so great that the only image that can do it justice is the joy between two lovers. When we see the wedding of which the greatest weddings on earth can only be a dim foreshadowing, then God will dance with his people. Then joy will reign undiminished, uninterrupted. Then will be the fulfillment of the, of the prophets who were trying to express the inexpressible. When they said in Isaiah 55, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. And then the Apostle John says this, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne, Jesus said, behold, I am making everything new. And so as we begin to praise now, we are connecting to that future reality. We're not there yet. What I just read, we're not there yet, but we're on our way. And so when you praise, you connect to that. You are in hopeful expectation, full of faith that that's where I'm headed. My circumstances don't show it, but that's where I'm going. This is how we're formed by praise. There, there, there are really, there's three characteristics, really, of praise regarding the future, it, 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 we, and we have to recognize them. Three characteristics. If we're going to praise God about the future, the, the first one that we need to have is confidence in God's goodness, in who he is, in his nature. Confidence in God's goodness. We ha no matter the circumstances or the prognosis or whatever we've gone through, that I can trust that God is good. In this moment, he is and I can see it. In this moment, I don't see it, but I, but I know it's true. You have to have confidence. The other one is that confidence in God's abundance. God's abundance. God owns it all and has it all. And yet somehow it's so often, so common for us that, that we walk around and function in our lives as if there's not enough. Not enough what? Fill in the blank. That there's not enough. But, but we have confidence that there's always in God an abundance of everything that you need. How do you praise God for the future? I know he's good, and I know there's plenty. I know there's an abundance. And the third one is the, the, the characteristic is that that confidence not silent. It's not a silent confidence. So David says this, Psalm 30, you turn my wailing into dancing, you remove my sackcloth, clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. The way we integrate praise into our lives is to not be silent about it, not be quiet about it, 
How do you make praise a part of your life? How do you incorporate it? How do you, how do you make, you and I are formed by praise. It's natural. It's an instinct of ours. It's going to come out. How do, I, how do I make it so that the praise of God forms and shapes my life? The Psalms as the prayers of Jesus and the prayers of the people of God, as we immerse ourselves in them, as we go to the, to the school of the Psalms, and we're not just stuck with all of our own words. You ever prayed a prayer before, and, and you're like, man, I just I prayed everything I got. You know, somebody encouraged you, like, you know, take out 30 minutes and, and pray to God. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside 30 minutes. I'm going to pray to God for 30 minutes. You ever tried that, and you get in about 90 seconds, and you're like, The Psalms are the prayers of, of Jesus and the prayers of the people of God, and they, they give us our words. They're, they're, really, they're really prayer school. They're prayer school. And so you use, all your, you use all your words that you got, and then you go to prayer school, and you let them form you and shape you into where that praise, has, that praise is in you. It's going to come out, but it shapes you into, into somebody who looks and sounds so much more like Jesus. The way we integrate that is to not be silent about it. So the Pharisees go up to Jesus and um, uh, around Jesus, and, and there's a bunch of people that are following him, and they go up to, they go up to him and they say, hey, um, Jesus, tell all these people to stop doing what they're doing. They're praising you. He said, they said, tell them to stop. They're not supposed to do that. They only only praise, goes, praise goes to God. You tell them to stop praising you. And Jesus says, he says, I, I, I can't do that. If I tell them to stop, then, the, the, then even the rocks that are on the ground that are by your feet are going to burst out in praise. All of creation has this withheld pressure of praise that is within it, and it's going to come out of us. It's going to burst out. But you have yourself a unique expression of praise that only you can give. Nothing else and no one else can take your place of praise. Nobody else can do it for you. You're the only one that can do it. You have a unique voice of praise that only you can give. Look at this, Psalm 30, verse 9. What is gained if I'm silent, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? There's, there's, if, if I don't praise, can anybody else praise you for what you've done in my life? Nobody else is going to praise God for what he's done in your life. You're the only one that can do it. But you're shaped by it. And the best thing you can do to begin a life marked by praise is to simply to no longer be silent. To no longer be silent. And so a couple, a couple quick points, and I'm going to wrap up. I'm going I'm to pray for you guys. The first one is this, super practical for you list makers in here. All right. How do I, how, how do I make my life, how do I put, my, put myself in a position to be formed by praise? Uh, first one is this is um, you can find a joy mentor. That sounds intense, doesn't it? Is that, that sounds like work. You're like, it does not sound joyful to me. Find a joy mentor. Find somebody who's so good at joy, they're better at joy than you are, and then be like, can I be your friend? Can I hang out? Maybe don't say it like that. Maybe just kind of be like, hey, you want to get some coffee or whatever? And we could tell jokes. I don't know. It's hard finding friends when you're old. You find a joy, you find somebody who's, who's better at joy than you. And you just go, I remember I, when I was um, 18 years old, uh, I went to church. There was a guy at my church that I went to. His name was David. My car, I drove a 1990 Geo Prism. It was smashed in in the front a little bit. <clears throat> and, um, and I drove it around because it was awesome. And, and it was four wheels and it worked. So, but I was having trouble and it wouldn't, the car wouldn't run. I didn't know what was wrong with it. I thought it was the flux capacitor. I don't know anything about cars. So uh, David at the church did. He was an older guy um, who played the piano. And uh, he played the piano like a wild man. I'm, I'm talking like he played like this all the time. And he, then he would do this number right here. Give me one of these. Give me one of these. Right yes, in church, like, like legitimately, like we'd be doing music. And then he'd just be like, and I'd be like, this, is, this man's crazy. He was so happy. He was so joyful. He, had, he really had the joy of the Lord. I can look back and be like, that's the joy of the Lord. It's kind of odd, but he had it. So David says, hey, I'm gonna, I, I can help you fix your car. Now, David did not have a lot of money. He was not a wealthy man, and I knew that. 
and he said, I'm going to help you fix your car. So I brought the car over to his house. My car was running. It was a four-cylinder. It was running on like two and a half, all right? So I, I made it. It took me like an hour to get there, 10-minute drive. I made it to David's house. And um, he, so he goes, and I need this uh, a distributor cap. It was like 50 bucks. I needed a bunch of more, uh, several more uh, spark plugs and then a couple other things. So we work on it. It takes like hours to fix this car. It would have taken me forever. I'd still be working on it. I don't know anything about cars. But he helped me, and so we're getting all, you know, my hands are all greasy. I'm feeling like a man, you know, and I'm like working on stuff. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm starving. I'm starving because I'm 18, and I'm also starving because it had just been forever. And so we crank the car. It works. We're covered in, like, grease and stuff. And uh, he goes, hey, man. I said, he goes, there it is, man. It works. I was like, David, thank you so much. And he said, hey, you hungry? And I was like, a little bit. He goes, just go get something to eat. And I'm thinking, I have no money. Like, I'm driving down to Geo Prison that's smashed in on the front. And, um, and uh, he goes, come on, uh, let's, go, let's go get some pizza. You like Donato's? I love Donato's. He says, you like Donato's? I was like, yeah, I kind of do sometimes. And he's like, on me, man. We go to get uh, to Donato's in my new car <laughs> that runs. And we walk in, and he goes, I got you, man. I'm going to pay for it. And I was like, uh, okay, um, can I get it? And I tried to order a child's pizza. And I didn't know. I was like, it was so expensive. And he goes, no, man, no. I like, no, no, no. And you're getting a whole pizza. David fixes my car, tells me terrible jokes the entire time, and then buys me a whole pizza. Just a whole pizza for me. Have you ever eaten a whole pizza? Don't answer that. I, and I just thought, and I got around, and I thought, you know what? David was older than me. He had kids. He had, he had kids that were, uh, that were my age. And um, you know how you think about older people when you're 18. But man, he sure knew how to be happy. He, he, in that day, was such a joy mentor to me. And he showed me, he didn't have a lot, but he turned around. And every time I turned around, the next thing that happened, there was something else that he was giving me and showing me that there was plenty. Fixed my car, didn't charge me anything. Told me terrible jokes that I just thought, hey, I'll just laugh at anyway. Buys me a whole, buys me, buys me uh, dinner. Not only did he buy me dinner, he bought me a whole pizza, he was, and then he made me finish it. He's like, eat it all, man. I know you're hungry. Who buys people whole pizzas? I don't know. It's, it still gets me. Find somebody who's better at joy than you, and then just kind of be around them a little bit. They're they're better at you, and, and it'll it'll rub off on you, and you'll start to learn more about the Lord. That he's always good and that he always has plenty. The other thing you could do, you can, uh, those of you that are taking some notes on your phone, you got a little list you're making, you can uh, um, go, go somewhere that causes you to be thankful. Just find somewhere and then go be thankful there. Maybe it's outside, maybe it's, um, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a farm, maybe it's some of the land trust trails, you can go hiking over there. Find some place and then go be thankful there. Uh, number three, you can make a list. Some of y'all that are already making lists, you're like, I love lists so much, I'm going to make a list for my list. Um, make a list of all the things that you're thankful for. I know that's like usually the thing that we say to do during Thanksgiving. <laughs> you're like, hey, let's, I'm going to make a list. because have you, have you ever taken 30 minutes and just racked your brain over all the things that you could be grateful for? Have you ever done that before? It'll, it will change your day. I don't care what kind of day you're having. It'll change your morning. If you start off your morning like that, tr- try it. If you're struggling, if you're struggling with praise even in this season, and go through and say just, just the, the, the oddest things. You're like, if, if, I'm having such a hard time thinking of anything. You're like, well, I'm sitting here, and I'm breathing. You write it down. You can, you'll start to get a lot more creative. You'll start coming up with all kinds of stuff. Before you know it, your list will be so long, just things you can be grateful for. Fourth one is this, throw a party. For all of you that don't like lists, you probably like throwing parties. Maybe you list makers like parties. Throw a party. And then let the party be like why you're grateful. Sometimes we do this, like we'll do a housewarming party if we move in. We'll do something like that when we move in uh, for the, uh, to the church when we move in. We have a, a house. Throw, throw, throw a party and, and come up with a reason for it. And then tell your friends, this is why I'm going to throw a party. This is why I'm going to have a party. I'm just so grateful because of such and such. I'm thankful for this. And then invite your neighbors over. They don't have to know the Lord. They, they don't have to be Christians. 
Like, everybody, like, they appreciate people that are thankful people. Like, we like to be around people that are grateful, thankful, joyful. Do it. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, if you close your eyes. I want us to be people who that, that just conjure up celebration in others. Just make up reasons to hang out and to celebrate, to be joyful, to be thankful. It will shape your life and change the tone of the whole thing. It'll change the tone. But maybe you're in here, and if you're honest, you just say, Joel, I, I, uh, of all the things that are forming and, and changing my life, I've changed, but of all those things, praise is definitely not one of them. I have a hard time with praise. And uh, it's because of my past. Um, or, or, or maybe it's, it's, it's what you're going through right now. Or, or maybe even something you're afraid of that might happen. And you'd say, you'd say, I have a uniquely hard time with praise, but I want to become a person of praise. I want God to begin the work in me to be formed by praise. I have a uniquely hard time with praise. Maybe always or maybe just this season. But I want my life to be formed by praise. I want, I, I, I want that in my life. I'm going to praise something. I want it to be shaped by praise for God. If that's you, just real honest, I'm not going to have you come up here. I just want to I just want to pray for you. If you just raise your hand real, real high and just put it back down. Yes. Yes. Father, this morning, Lord, you've given us, you've given us your word. God, and as we dig in and as we give it space in our lives, God, you will always do the work. God, your, 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 work, your, your word doesn't return void. It, it, once we begin to dig in and immerse ourselves, God, in your word, God, you, you change us. And so this morning, God, I pray as we look at this passage just on praise, both yesterday, today, and tomorrow, God, I pray that the people in this room that raised their hand, God, and those that didn't raise their hand, God, that this church, these people, every one of us, God, will be shaped and formed by praise. God, I pray that you would, you would pour into this church the creativity of the Holy Spirit that we would be able to think of again, anew, about all the things and all the reasons, God, why we are grateful, thankful, praisers of you. And God, while we begin now to do what we're going to do in the future, and one day we'll, we'll spend all our time doing that. God, teach us to get good at it right now, to be good at it right now. There's something that, that magnetic about somebody who can see and know what it's going to be like with you forever and to begin to step in and act in that right now. God, make our church like that. Make, our, make my family like that, like me, in me. God, everyone here. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So good to worship with you this morning here at Four Corners Church. If it's your first time here with us, uh, welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, I'd love the opportunity to write you a little note thanking you for being with us. In each of the worship guides on the chairs, uh, there are connection cards. So if you want to take a moment to fill one out, uh, you can drop it off at the drop box that's back here on the high top table. And um, I'll, I'll have the opportunity just to write you a, a note thanking you to, for being with us. Um, I do want to note, note this. We've got some, uh, I call them small groups. We always call them small groups. But because it's summer, it's already kind of many uh, smaller. But we've put together in July some small groups or just gatherings, opportunities for Four Corners family or your friends and family to jump in and just be together and meet together. Um, and so we've got opportunity to sign up for that. I'm not sure if it's, is the code on the screen, the QR code? No, it's not, but I'll offer that. Online, you can see it at fourhuntsville.com. You can go to the back information table as well and sign up uh, for a group. Melinda, will you wave your hand, Melinda? Melinda is our small groups coordinator, so she knows everything. No, uh, she does though. And, um, but these are going to be great opportunities to grow together um, in in the Lord, in the Word, but also opportunities just to meet each other. Sometimes some are so busy, and we're all here and there and everywhere. Uh, but I, I will say, if you'll if you'll make a note to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna connect with these people on this night. I promise you'll leave happy 
that you did. I'm one of those that's not just like, ooh, put me in groups always. But I, but I, I do it, I make myself, because when I leave, I'm better. Like I look and I'm like, man, my, I, I have a group of friends. I, my community, um, the community does something for you and, uh, and in you. So I encourage you to look it up on the website. You can sign up there or stop by this back table here and just take a peek at what we've got for the month of July. Uh, that's also an option for you to check mark on here. So if you're like, I'm, I'm running around, reach out to me, let me know what's going on with, with uh, small groups. Uh, here's an opportunity for that as well. Uh, thank you for those who so faithfully give to Four Corners Church. We are here this morning because of Four Corners Church. We're able to do the outreach in a couple of weeks uh, and everything in between because of your faithfulness. And God is good in the middle of crazy life, in the middle of up and down with the economy. God is not, he's not moved by that. God owns it all and he is good and faithful to his promise. So uh, thank you to those who give so generously, uh, so cheerfully, like scripture says, and uh, be encouraged. God is faithful and uh, will always take care of you. And um, so for those of you who do give or are interested in giving, you're able to give online by text or uh, by offering envelope, cash or check, and that can be dropped off also at the drop box in the back. Hey, will you all stand up with me? I want to pray a blessing for you. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You can hold your hands out like this. God gives good gifts. He wants to get good gifts to you. May you this week become so aware. May, he, may, may the Father expand your awareness of His goodness and His abundance in every area of your life. There is no lack as you walk in confident joy and peace with Him. All day, every day, this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, love you. We'll see you this next week.